Good morning and welcome to West Seattle Christian Church. If you are new, welcome. If you're not, welcome back. And we have been in a series all summer long called The Epic Story, where we're talking about the overarching uh, meta-narrative of the scripture by looking at little snapshots of what God is trying to tell us about himself. And today, we're going to wrap up that series, believe it or not. And so, uh, if you would, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to go to the end of that in just a minute. I'm not going to recap everything, but I want to... um, uh, pick up where we left off just a few weeks ago. I'm going to start with the Holy Spirit, and then I'm going to move into what we do on the cross, and then I'm going to talk about what we're going to get into today. Um, but just as a reminder, um, a couple weeks ago, we did a whole uh, kind of recap of the whole thing, and you can you can go back a few uh, episodes, if you will. I don't know what to call these anymore, but you go back go back a few videos for a few sermons for you a few weeks ago on our blog, and you can catch up if you want. Um, and, and we're going to jump in near the tail end of that. Um, so the Holy Spirit, we talked a, a few weeks ago about this. The Holy Spirit is there for all those times where you don't know how to act. We talked about Jesus as our prototype. And if you're, gonna, if, you, if you're caught in a situation where you just don't know how to respond, you don't know how to act, Jesus is your prototype. And we said, you know, if you act like him, you're never going to go wrong. But then we said there's times where um, you can stop and you can pray that the Spirit would help you in those moments as well. Um, God has sent us the Holy Spirit to be our counselor, to guide us, to give us assistance and help uh, in each and every situation where we feel lost and we don't know the appropriate way forward. Um, If you didn't know this, the job of the Holy Spirit is to lead you into all truth. And I want you to trust that. And so that's awesome because the Holy Spirit is kind of like a fail safe for us. Because if you start to think that you've chosen the right way, but it's really the wrong way, the Holy Spirit uh, is going to come in and say, that's come back over on this side get you're off the path come back to the path and follow me in this way because if you stay over there it's really not going to lead you to a good end um what i didn't say a few weeks ago is that the reality is that most of the time it's not really about whether or not you don't know what you're supposed to do it's really about the fact that you don't want to listen to the holy spirit we don't want to listen to what the holy spirit wants us to do And that's hard to hear, but we don't want to. And I've said this truth to people before, and they've gotten gotten mad at me. In fact, I've talked to a few people, and they've gotten really mad at me. I've preached a sermon on the Spirit, um, telling you what to do, and I say, the problem is not that you don't know what you want to do. It's that uh, what you're supposed to do. It's that your heart becomes hard, and you're like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to tell me what you're uh, saying that I should do. Even though I know that going that way is the truth, I don't want to do that right now. Um, and people have come to me and said, I'm really mad at you right now for saying that. And I'll, and I'll, I'll stop and I'll say, why, why are you so mad? And they're like, because it's true about me. Um, we know when the Spirit is leading us in the right direction. The problem is that we get too hard-hearted to respond to it. And those times, that, those are times when it's time for a reality check. Jesus is our model. He is our prototype. So in the last couple of weeks, we've explored the cross. And on the cross, we know that Jesus delivers us, but he also gives us a model for how to handle life, especially the most difficult parts of life. He teaches us how to rest, and not only to rest when you have time, but to make the time for rest, for Sabbath, because God's love is always bigger than what we're going through in the moment, because we know resurrection is coming, 
because we know that, we can actually rest. But in order to experience resurrection, we talked about this a few weeks back, we have to go through the grave. There are tombs in our life, places uh, that are dead or places that we need to die to. Um, so in order to get the power of resurrection in your life, we have to go through the grave, just like Jesus did. What are you willing to let die is the question that we asked so that you can experience resurrection and all of its power in your life. So that's, that's the recap I wanted to give for the last couple of weeks so that we can move forward into something that I think is really, truly amazing. And I want to do a little hypothetical exercise for a minute. Let's pretend that you are later on in your years, that you are getting up there and you know that your time is coming. In fact, let's just say that you know it's really soon and you only have a little bit of time left and you invite your family and your friends over to your home so that you can have one last conversation with them. If you had time for one last conversation to have with the people that matter most to you in your life, what would you say? The reason I ask you that question is that today when we get into Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20, uh, that's exactly what Jesus is doing. He's having one last conversation with his disciples, with the people that matter most to him. Um, he wants to give them everything they need to be able to move forward without him. So this conversation, and a lot of you have heard this passage of scripture called the Great Commission, where Jesus tells his disciples to go and make disciples of all the nations. Um, it's way bigger than I think we even understand. Even if you've been following Jesus for your whole life or for a significant amount of time, it's way bigger than I think we often um, give it credit for. So let's read that now. In Matthew 28, starting in verse, uh, I'm going to start in verse 16, and it says this, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. When Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what's so interesting to me here is that this has often been translated as a moral imperative. If you've given your life to Jesus, you have to do this. Like, you better do this. The way I was taught is that about this is that you need to get going right now. You're starting a race and you better jump in with both feet and get, get going. But the phrase in Greek here is actually translated, that word to go is actually traded, uh, translated as, as you are going, as you are going. And that, that really changes the tone. It really changes everything because the way I was taught go and make disciples, it meant that I had to go someplace else to do this. Like I have to go to South America or I need to go to Europe or I need to go to Southeast Asia or I need to go to Antarctica or something crazy to the ends of the earth instead of right here. And, and I think when we do that, we often think, oh, well, since I'm not going to go do that, then I, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not really going to do that here. But when you understand uh, that it says, as you are going, it means I am, I am to do this right here, right now every day as I go about my life. Jesus isn't saying, 
go away someplace. Jesus is saying, as you wake up in the morning and talk to your kids, there's some discipling to be done. And when you get in the car in carpool or get on the bus or whatever you do to get to work, there's some discipling to be doing. And when you get to work, as you are at work, there's some disciple making to be doing. Um, you get home and you talk to your neighbor when you pull into the driveway, there's some disciple making that you were supposed to be doing. And so you're talking with other moms on your way to school or as you're trying to figure out online schooling or homeschooling, there's an opportunity to make disciples there as you're going to work, as you're going grocery shopping, as you're picking up takeout, as you are going, as you're walking the dog. And some of you, yes, you're gonna be called to some other geographical location, maybe another city in the United States, uh, maybe another country, something like that. We know that at least five of, of uh, Jesus' disciples ended up going and spreading the gospel in other parts of Asia Minor. Other, others of you are just going to stay put. But as you are going, Jesus says, as you are going, disciple. This new understanding of as you are going makes me question what Jesus is doing here because it makes me ask, in this last conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples, do we really think he's being bossy? I mean, I've always, I've almost always looked at it as he's being bossy, but I think that's the way uh, that we've been taught to take it. And I don't think it's exactly right. There's, he's like, here's one more thing you have to do. And, and then I'm out, peace out. I'm going to go out in the clouds. No, the good news is Jesus tells them how to do this. And, and I don't think he's being bossy. He says, number one, you need to baptize people. This is one of the reasons that we do baptisms in our church. And if you haven't been baptized, you need to be. If you've been thinking about that and you've never done it, there's ways for us to do that in, in a socially distanced way during COVID-19. But you might not think you need to be baptized. Like you think you can just listen to services or watch them online or, or come in person whenever that happens, or you've been coming in person for a long time in your life, but you've never gotten baptized. Um, but if you want to follow Jesus, he has already told us that we need to obey his commands. And he says, I want you to get baptized. In fact, if you want to be like him and he's our prototype, he got baptized. And he says that I want you to be baptized. So if you haven't been baptized, you should be baptized. Um, number two, he says, teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And then he says, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. And what's interesting here is that the way this is often taught is that this commission part is it's, it's taken out of a larger conversation. And it, that's what makes it feel bossy. That part where you just need to go do this, but you haven't looked at the rest of the conversation that's going on there, that's the part that makes it feel bossy. Like it's just a command, but, but it's not. There's something more going on here. The something else that's going on here is always tied to the words that, is Je that Jesus is using. Like we talked a few weeks ago about the words that Jesus is using on the cross come directly from the Psalms. Um, the words that he's using here come from, directly from Daniel 7, which is alluding to the fact that Jesus is going to be given all power and authority um, for this new kingdom that God is ushering in. And I'm not going to go into all of that right now, but there's a lot of groundwork in, D in Daniel chapter 7 for these, for, specifically for the phrase, all authority has been given to me. And for the other phrase, I am with you until the end of the age. All authority, it says here in Matthew uh, 28, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. All authority. And he is using the text from the past and he's kind of re he's summarizing and re-quoting it here saying, this, this time is now being fulfilled for you. 
Um, and, and frankly, this part where he's, where he's telling us to go and make disciples, it goes back to all of the things that we've already learned in this series that God's not angry with you. God created you, tov me od. You are good, full of potential, all of these things. Um, and so when he says, I have all authority, it's not this lording over and commanding and you better do this thing. He's telling you, I've, I've been given, given everything and I've put it into you. And I'm, he's telling his disciples and he's telling us, he's telling you and me, that he has made us ready and capable to steward and curate life in such a way. He says, he uses the word dominion of, of a kingdom that has no end. He's giving us, he's sharing the reins with us to do a kingdom type of life, a shalom filled life where we teach others what that's all about. And that's why he made us tov meo. That's why he made us masterpieces. Jesus is calling them and he's calling us to something more than just going and you better do this. He's taking the authority that has been given to him by God and he's saying, guys and gals, for the rest of your lives, because of what I did in conquering the grave, because of the empty tomb, you now have the power and the dominion, not in some crazy dictator type of way where you're ramming the gospel down people's throats. Not like that. He's saying you now have the power and the dominion in this world specifically to bless others, to take care of others, to bind up wounds, to dry tears, to care, and lead the way in that to steward good and holy things for our neighborhood and for our city and for our country and for our world. And because of that, he says, I really, really, really want you to invite other people into this way of life. That's what he's saying when he says, go and make disciples. I really want you to spread this way of life to others and invite them into it. And a lot of people are convinced, there's a lot of people out there that are convinced that they don't matter. And we've looked at this overarching epic story where God's saying, you do matter, you're not a mistake, you're beautiful, you are full of potential, and I want you to create a kingdom of peace and usher in a new way of life. It's a kingdom that does not have an end. So now, after Jesus has gone through the grave, he's given them the Holy Spirit, he has come back and he said, listen, this is the last conversation I wanna have with you. Then the church moves on from the gospels, um, into the book of Acts, where it's really the works of the Holy Spirit that are going on through the people God is, is wanting to use to spread this kingdom we've just talked about. And the question is, so what does it look like? Uh, and I, want, I, I don't want to give you a, the, the total thing of what's going on in Acts, but I want to I hit on one key point here. There's a story in Acts chapter 7 where one of the followers of Jesus named Stephen, he's killed for his faith. And because of that persecution, of him as a Christian, the other Christians that are there, the other followers of Jesus are afraid. And, and they spread out across the ancient um, uh, Mediterranean world. And because of that stoning, as they, as they run and they scatter, because Jesus is killed, uh, or because Stephen is killed because of his faith in Jesus, everywhere they go, even though they're scared, even though, even though they've been scattered, they tell people about the story of this man named Jesus who conquered death 
and the grave and showed them this beautiful way of life that they could live. As that progresses, um, Christians uh, are are first called Christians for the first time. Um, and it's because of this persecution of the Christians that led Jesus' followers to go all over the place. They told people about Jesus and they sparked this movement. Um, and what I want you to understand is that that movement has not stopped. If you are sitting here listening to this or watching this and you are a follower of Jesus, you are a follower of Jesus because of these first Christians who, even though they were scattered, they did not stop talking about Jesus and sharing his way of life with others. They did not stop. So it's interesting to me that I run across Christians today who think that it's not their job to do exactly what they did. This kingdom and this gospel will not stop. Um, and we are invited into sharing it with others. And I want you to see that. It, it makes me wonder, who's going to believe in Jesus the same way we do now because of those followers of Jesus 2,000 years ago? Because they would not stop sharing the gospel of his kingdom. 2,000 years into the future from our time in 4020, <laughs> which is weird to think about. Who's going to believe in Jesus because of you? Because you would not stop sharing this gospel, this kingdom life that Jesus has created for us. I wonder who's going to say, man, I am so glad that that church or that individual, the history that we have, I'm so glad that West Seattle Christian Church was there because they changed everything for me. Even though I've come centuries later, they've changed everything for me in my understanding of God. I want you to think about that because how many of the disciples who were with uh, Jesus that day in Matthew 28, when he heard them say, go and make disciples, and all authority has been given to me, and I will be with you to the end of the age. How many of those disciples had Bible college degrees? None. None of them did. How many were qualified, as in like had credentials as a pastor? How many of them had that? None. How much of the New Testament did they have? None. That's, by the way, it's not a trick question. They were writing the New Testament that we have now when they were hearing these things from Jesus. So they didn't have it written down. How many of them had the New Testament? None. How much of the Holy Spirit did they have? All of it. They had all of it. Would they have let COVID-19 stop them from sharing or any other disease or any other natural disaster or any other tragic event? No, they wouldn't. How much of the Holy Spirit do you all have? You have all of it. You have all of it. It seems to me that you have everything they had. So you are just as qualified as they are. So as we wrap things up here and head towards communion, uh, I just want to give you a couple things to hinge your thoughts on here. And the first one is that no matter who you are or where you are going or how you are going, as you are going, Jesus gives all of us a specific mission. It's not the, the church staff's job or the pastor's job to make disciples. It's not just their job any more than it's only the pastor's job or the church staff's job to take care of people uh, or everybody in the church who need calling on, who are sick or need a meal. That's not just left up to the pastors and the church staff. That's not the way we see it in the Bible. That's not the way it is now. It's the Christian's job. It's the follower of Jesus' 
job. Every single one of us should be a disciple maker. You have already everything that you need to do that. Jesus promised you that you do have what you need. The second thing is, is how we embrace this mission of as we go, as you go, it shapes our identity. When people look at you, do they see a person who loves the Lord? Do you talk about God with others? Because frankly, God is awesome. Do you share that with others? Are you going to show up and put him out there for others? Who is the one person right now that's not your kids and not your spouse that you're, maybe it is your spouse, but the kids are kind of easy. Like uh, you're, by default, you're trying to disciple your kids uh, towards the life of Jesus. But who's that one person right now that you're intentionally attempting to disciple and, and make a disciple of? And you can do this over the phone, folks. Like, it's not hard to pick up your phone, even though you can't be around people right now because of COVID-19. The last thing is, is as we build relationships with others, how they respond to us does not change our mission or our identity. Because here's what's going to happen. Eventually, you're going to share your faith and someone is going to um, be non-responsive to you. Maybe they're going to be responsive, but it's going to be a negative response. Um, that's happened to me before. And the non-responsive thing has happened to me a lot. It will happen to you the more that you share your faith, the more that you talk about God and Jesus and this great story that he's inviting us into. They're not going to be responsive. But really what you need to understand is that they're not being non-responsive to you. They're being non-responsive to the gospel. They're being non-responsive to Jesus. And for a lot of us, though, though we take that personally. We, we live in a, in a culture where we haven't moved beyond junior high. And if somebody calls us a name... We, we, we kind of like cave in on ourselves and we don't know what to do. And we have to work through that and not take it, not take it personally. Um, I think what often happens if you share your faith and someone is non-responsive to you, um, you might think that you're not good at it. But the reality is you might be really good at it, but how they respond doesn't change anything. You still have that same mission. You still have that same call. And so the question is, how are we fulfilling that mission? Uh, and I'm not talking theoretically, what are the real concrete things that you are doing to share Jesus and make disciples in your life? If you're like, there's nothing, well, okay. What could there be? What could there be? What could you start doing today that could do that?